episode 14 of Don't Mess With The Metro. Glad to be joined once again by some of my boys, Dan, Andy, nice to see you. Matt, glad to see you once again. How's the past week been treating y'all? You know, I got to quickly thank you guys, but also say that I'm going to need a bit of help from all you smart business majors, because I already know that going for my MBA is going to be either the best worst decision or the worst best decision of my life. Like, uh... Thank you for the little lecture on assets, liabilities, and owner's equity. Because I knew that part, and I knew, like, the balance sheet has to balance and cash is king, you know, all the typical stuff. But econ, I barely got through it. Just draw two lines, intersect them, and move one up or down or move it left to right and just see where the thing goes. That's, my, that, that's my expertise on it. Crazy that I've actually learned something from accounting all these years. I actually know something. In, yeah, in I'm going to need some, like, serious help. So if any other listeners that are out there know any, like, good accounting tips or anything for a dumb engineer that would be uh really helpful you should probably think twice before uh, doing that masters of accountancy who knows oh, it's just it's just an mba not not an msf I'm t- i was i'm referring to i'm referring to myself but oh okay i was but, gonna say know, but hey, I'm not, you never know i'm not that dumb yeah i, I still tell like my uh very confidence for mba stuff as soon as i entered this class uh this past year i was like nope we're just gonna go ahead and muscle through this and pray to the gods that I come out alive on the end because this is going to be something. So yeah, the MBA route is going to be going to be treacherous. Good luck. I think you guys have decided my future. Incredible. You're going electrical engineering too, right? Me? No, I'm like a sports management major, bro. (laughs) Living the life. It's called, it's called easy work. (laughs) I was going to say, does the SEC have Electrical engineering? Yeah. SEC, we don't even go to class. What do you This is North Carolina athletics. Yeah. God, love it. <laughs> get paid to, to do anything but go to school. <laughs> love it a resort. Get paid to go to the pool. You get to read at the fourth grade level. If, if you have to read, you get to read at that level. Fourth grade, that's for the advanced students. Yeah. What are you talking about? That's senior year, Ian. Come on. Uh, well, I mean, you have to read your Twitter feed when you're a student athlete. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Either that or the contract that your parents are signing to get paid $10,000 to wipe off a bench once a semester, but I digress. That would be totally reliable. Well, it is uh, with information I we call upon on this day to recap what everybody's going to expect us to recap. The nonsense that happened over the course of this past Friday night. The actual draft lottery took place, and as you know already, there were actually eight spots rewarded. And what ended up happening was uh, the number one selection is now going to a team from the qualifying round that does not advance into the final 16 teams of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I would set off right now, but gentlemen, I am so courteous to all of you that I would like to give at least one of you a chance before you set me off. Um, I think Andy takes the cake on this one. I want to hear what this guy's got to say. All right. Um, well, for starters, I'm happy with how it, uh, how it went down because tanking teams don't deserve it. I'm tired of seeing teams go out there and put out complete garbage uh, pro- like lineups and thinking that, oh, at the end of the season, we're going to get a great draft pick. And what happens as a result of that, getting that great draft pick? You trade away all other semi formidable assets that you had so let's just go ahead and throw that great asset onto your team and let them absolutely rot 
because that's how you get two teams that finish seventh and eighth. That's how you wind up with a New Jersey Devils that have won the draft lottery two times in the past three years, were complete garbage this year, missed the playoffs, trade away a player that they absolutely fleeced in a trade, and they wound up like finding themselves, once again, on the outside looking in, and they have the Buffalo Sabres. Nine years in a row that they've missed the playoffs, and I'm supposed to feel bad that they didn't win the draft lottery again. No, they've had... They just got dollar. Yeah, they literally have three top two draft picks since 2014. No one ever talks about how great um, Sam Reinhardt is, who he actually is, a really good player. You put him on any other team besides Buffalo, he'd be li- what he'd be lighting up. He'd be a top three, uh, or not top, like he'd be on the first line, and he'd be an insane talent there, or at least like on the second line, insane talent, putting up great numbers. The fact that he's putting up the numbers that he is in Buffalo with complete garbage around him is nuts. Same thing with Eichel. You put him anywhere, he'd be like a namesake. The same thing with Nico Heischer. You put him anywhere, he doesn't get talked about. He's putting up really good numbers. Like, it's completely insulting to these players that they're stuck on trash teams. And I'm glad that Lafreniere does not have to suffer that fate. It would have sucked to see him in Detroit if Detroit keeps this mentality. They can use this now to say, you know what, we have great other great prospects. We can get a good player fourth overall, and hey, maybe we shouldn't develop, like, just tank. Next year, try and put out a good prospect. All right? Try and actually give a damn. Well, let's let's pause one there for a moment. Red Wings, or if you saw the Red Wings this year, and the way they ended up in the standings, I don't know how much you would necessarily say they were... I mean, yeah, they were probably tanking. You could totally admit that, but... Look at that team. Look at that team they fielded. Do you really think their position in standing was all this amount of taking, tanking? I doubt it. They were pretty horribly bad. And let me make a few things straight here. The draft lottery should obviously not be abolished. But the way, the way in which it works, maybe you might need to tweak a few things to here or there. Now, I am, to- I am totally aware of the fact that we're currently trying to finish the season. This this is in the midst of totally crazy times, and you know they're not gonna wait. They're not gonna wait until like the end of the season in October, or wherever, not to do these drawings and then have the draft, because then they could they could find themselves postponing it too late and then not playing the season and then starting the next season a little earlier and then they're kind of. Because they, they went back and forth, they're, they're in a rabbit hole. They're, they're screwed already. So, yeah, I get it. It's a crazy situation, stance of times. But hear me out on this nonsense. You had the 2019 Chicago Blackhawks get a better draft pick than the 2020 Detroit Red Wings. Like, get out of here with that nonsense. I just, yeah, I get it. It's a lottery system. Like, crazy stuff happens. Teams get lucky from time to time. We all know how lucky, how lucky the 2005 draft lottery is for that one and changed the course of a certain franchise forever, but I don't even... It, it, it's crazy. Like, how do... Yeah, how do the team I mentioned in 2019 that I don't forgot their standings points, but they managed to jump down to the top three because whatever recent rule they implemented versus another team that was clearly bad the entire season 
getting a worse pick than them because of this rule that you're either in the top three, you're either like in your spot in the top three or you're totally out of it. Like, let's not forget there was a year when the 2012 Blue Jackets had a like 40 to 50% chance of landing the number one overall draft pick. And like, they were like totally bad throughout the whole year. Just like totally dreadful team. They didn't even win the lottery, but okay, at least they still got the second pick and it's not like they got dropped to four or some nonsense like that. And now, granted, I totally understand. They, sometimes the best player might be at four, might be picked at four. So many other times, it, your second best option is at number two. But like I said, they at least could move down one spot instead of three, despite being the worst team by a large margin. And kind of fun. And like funny enough, uh, the first pick that year, uh, Andy's favorite, didn't exactly pan out super well. So, I mean, like I said, crazy things have happened in the past before. And going to your point, Andy, I. I totally understand hating going against tanking. Like, I bet you, like, the players themselves totally hate it because they're just throwing out their competitive aspect or how they truly look as a player, and they're basically being so bad at their job so that they can get some other benefit later in the future. Yeah, I totally understand that. The, the outlook as a fan as opposed to a player is totally different. But my I mean, team, what was that? I'm, I don't want to cut you off here, but you're ranting about something that statistically, right now, the draft lottery worked exactly how it was supposed to. Let me preface. Do I think it was slightly rigged for viewership and to make things more interesting? Yes. But right now, if you take teams 8 through 15 and you add up those draft odd percentages, all those teams are technically one team, right? Because you don't know yeah. who it is. There, yeah, it's exactly. one, one team. You add that up, that's 24.5%. That's the best lottery odds by far. You're 6% better. So technically, you have a team that has a 1 in 4 chance of landing that top pick when you add up all those odds together. The draft lottery went... Ex- if you had Detroit at 24.5% odds, essentially 25%, I'm just going to use 25 from here on out, 1 in 4 shot, you're telling me that a 1 in 4 shot isn't going to win the draft lottery one out of four times and this is the one out of four times that it did happen you don't know which team won it you don't know if the 10th team was drawn you don't know if the 8th team was drawn you don't know if the 15th team was drawn all you know is that one team from 8 through 15 was drawn and the collective odds together is 25 percent so maybe i don't see what i don't see what the problem is yeah i gotta hop on this train i have no problem with it i understand obviously like Yes, I'm kind of biased. My team is one of the eight teams that can or could be one of the eight teams that benefits from it. But, I mean, like, if you go to the lottery history, the eighth team has won the draft lottery two times since 1995. Now, both times happen to be when you couldn't move up more than, like, I think it was six spots. Yeah, Chicago won and you couldn't move up six spots. And New Jersey won and you couldn't move up six spots. So they didn't end up number one, but I just don't think there's anything really wrong with it. Like, it is the most statistically probable thing to happen. And it's completely unfair to say, oh, these teams are playing in this absolute, let me curse right here, bullshit playoff. If you think the qualify, it's a qualifying round. It's not a playoff. The 24 teams are not all in the playoffs. 
16 teams will put in the qualifying round, and eight losers will not have made the playoffs. If you count this year as a playoff season, you're a loser franchise with a loser mentality, unless you advance to the actual playoffs. So you're saying those eight teams don't deserve to be in the lottery system that all other 8 through 15 teams have gotten to participate in the last 25 years? Like, it's absolutely crazy Especially that a team people that's think in this a draft is absolutely right. playoff position. And you think Montreal? Let me go with this example. Montreal was like, I think they probably ended up eighth, I think, in the final standings. You think they shouldn't be able? They're going to get worked in their first round series. You don't think they should get a chance at the lottery? That's absolute bullshit. And then you go on the other end. What if the Rangers upset Carolina? They were sixth in their conference. You don't think now that they're not in this playoff, they deserve to be in the, they don't deserve a chance at the lottery? The lottery had to happen this way. And I understand it sucks for Detroit, but Detroit sucks. Like, don't be that bad if you don't want to get screwed over by some numbers. And you yeah, can only statistically speaking, picks. like, Detroit only had a 49.6% chance to stay top three based off the odds. Like, it really did not pay for it. doesn't pay for anyone to tank. It's why I've been saying yep. for years. This whole thing of tanking, it's just dumb. Like, I understand, yeah, you want, you want to be able to trade off, like, the assets that you won't be able to keep later on if you know, and you want to get good return on them. But at the same time, don't just plan for, like, three years down the road and then waste, like, your uh, entry-level contract rookie deals for your young players while you have them now or burn – um, bridge contracts because then that's just bad asset management it's poor just it's not right the way that they decide oh we're just gonna go ahead and tank for a couple of years and then build up an empire and start winning in a few more years because for every team like the uh penguins that did that in the um 2000s and the blackhawks that did that in the 2000s you also get the teams like florida that tries to do that so many times and they fail you get teams like Atlanta, that became Winnipeg. They tried to do Buffalo. that so many times and failed. Buffalo now, they try and do that so many times and fail. Edmonton was it. doing it for a while. Yeah, literally, Edmonton, Toronto, they had to like go on a complete overhaul and really luck out. And even now, they have they're good. Toronto's basically going to be in cap hell after in the next couple of years because they and they can't even make it past the first round. Like you're putting so many eggs in the basket of the future instead of trying to win now. Buffalo wasted, the, or uh, Toronto pissed away the uh, a couple of prime years of Phil Kessel. As soon as he goes elsewhere, he wins a cup two years in a row. Like I don't disagree with you the slightest. I'm just I I'm just saying. I I said earlier I am well aware of the fact that this is a pretty crazy scenario and there's only so much they could do. But I guess fine. I'll ask another question. What was are you saying that the are you saying that the purpose of either staying in your spot or totally out of the top three or jumping from one spot and like number ten suddenly all the way up to the top three is to discourage stuff like that. Yeah, I, I don't. And... I don't know if it's necessarily meant to discourage. I think that the odds just worked out in your favor because when you're tanking, you are playing an odds game. You are trying to play the odds to get yourself a few more statistical points to potentially win something. You are laying down big money. Literally, you are losing. I, how do I put this? financial success of your team you're losing buy-in from players you're putting that on the line to potentially get a number one overall pick to, for an extra two or three points when we take into account again the numbers 
we're going to say eight through 15 is one team. If that's 25%, do we know which pick Ottawa won it with? Was it the, or do we just know that it was just one of their two picks? I think it was San Jose's that they got the uh, third overall pick with. Well, either way, yeah, it had to be San Jose because they only slid the fifth. All right, so let's. So if it had to be San Jose, I'm going to combine them together because you know what? They either way they would have had it. So if this is an eight-team lottery, we have one team, the unknown team, at 25 percent. We or 24 and a half percent. Then we have 24 percent for Ottawa, 18.5 for Detroit, and LA is 9.5. So you had the one, the two. And the four win the lottery. What's wrong with that? What, where, where is the problem with the odds there? One, three, or one, two, and four ended up winning based on the percentages. So three happened to slip when you combine all the odds based on what happened. So three technically slipped down one spot. Detroit didn't fall three spots. In, they dropped three spots in lottery odds. They didn't drop down three spots in the draft. And I think that's one thing that fans aren't necessarily grasping. It's an odds game. You're rolling the dice for something that is not guaranteed. Well, like I said, I yeah, I can totally, I can, I might be totally biased to Detroit. I mean, it's, I mean, well, admittedly, yeah, I, I tend to be. But, so what you're, so what you're basically saying, what I think is, why are a lot of the, I guess these, I guess we can all agree at least these odds are super high for a lot of these qualifying teams just because we're in this situation anyways in the first place. Well, the odds are high because you're combining the odds of every single team rather than saying, oh, the Rangers won the lottery. One specific team. It's all the teams as one. So it was the statistically most probable thing to happen. I also just want to bring up... there was no no way around it. Was anyone crying last year when Ottawa lost the lottery in the same exact situation? And one and two fell out of the top three. And you had 11 win number three, six win Wings number got, two. Wings got a bad luck of the draw in that draft, too. And, yeah, they fell to sixth. And New Jersey win number one. Like, it's just, like, it's the luck of the draw. The number one team is I, only I, one. I, 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 I said that in my rant. Like, I'm fully totally aware. I just think it seems crazy how often it happens. I mean, the problem is, though, like, especially the, the ironic thing is that now we're seeing the last couple of years, Wings fans are, like, complaining about this draft lottery. I remember a time when the Wings didn't have to rely on the draft lottery. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm just thinking, like, I don't know, five years ago or four years ago, they had just made the playoffs 26 years in a row or something, and they were getting players in, like, third or fourth round or really solid players, Athanasiu and uh, Gustav Nyquist. Um, they were picking up undrafted free agents, solid players, and getting late draft picks. I mean, this is a franchise that, for years, I always thought, damn, that's a really awesome franchise. I'm glad that they're able to sustain the success. And now, look at what they've become. Like, it sucks to see a team just decide, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and just go all in on the tank. And now they've they're just not watchable. Like it, the Joe used to be popping and now little Caesars is just nothing like it's barren. It's, it's, uh, I'm just, I don't know. Call me crazy, but I'd rather have like the wings go back and say, you know mm-hmm. what? Use this to wake, wake up, especially the wings be like, you know what? We're going to be the mall franchise for this. We're not going to dwell in the past. We have Steve Eiserman as our GM. He's worked wonders with the, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Who was the third, the uh, 
they got a third round or the third overall pick when um, I think in 2013 with Tampa. Other than that, they were rolling with basically elite talent found later on in, in the draft or undrafted free agents like Tyler Johnson. I think Pollard was a seventh round pick. Like he works wonders. You have someone that knows how to build a team. You have someone like you have already great play uh, prospects. Um, in 2018, the uh, Wings drafted the kid that like fell from uh, third overall all the way down to sixth. They got a great defenseman last year in the draft. They already have great pieces. You don't need, and this is already a deep draft as it is. Fourth overall is going to have a great player. The idea that you need to get someone, a franchise cornerstone at first, and you need to keep losing and losing and losing, I can't nice subscribe to that. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, obviously. I don't want to... Like I don't want to jump in and like inter- like cut in on Matt either, but the way that I'm viewing it, and I know you're gonna get pissed off at me for this, but I view the Red Wings as the New York Yankees with the way that their some of their fans are treating this. But when you mentioned they made the playoffs for 25 straight years, or was it 26 officially? 25. 25. Sure. When was the last time the Yankees had a losing season? And fans are still complaining about little things. Yes, there's a commitment to excellence. Yes, you're used to seeing excellence and always having a shot at the championship. But when you haven't seen a losing season as a Yankee fan since, what, 1993 was the last time they were sub-500? 92. 92, sub-500. So you have people that are, Andy, older than you that haven't seen a losing season since their birth. Any Yankee fan under 30 has not seen, or under 30 has not seen a losing season. Detroit fans were pretty much the same way. They've always seen consistent success, always making the playoffs. This is every team goes through this. So the complaining and the crying, yes, I can understand that you're used to the commitment to excellence and you're used to excellence and you're used to being in the playoffs. It's probably it's the same thing that happened with the Habs back in pretty much every decade and <laughs> like the, uh, the original six era. I mean, that's just the way that I'm viewing it. It happens. Teams go through cycles. This is something that. You know, it sucks that you lost the odds, but you played an odds game and you lost. It's the same thing as going to a casino, same thing as betting on a sports game. It is what it is. You, you had your excellence. Now go back out there and get it. Don't be complaining that you didn't win the draft lottery. That's it. I mean, well, I mean the I Red Wings are kind of. I pulled up something cool. Um, so it's a chart of every team since 2016 when they did the you could only drop three at most. Great. Right. It's every team's, like, max gain or max loss of odds. And so, here are the bottom three. Colorado, Vancouver, and Detroit. Now, keep in mind, Detroit's participated in every draft lottery, so they have, like, more swing. The other two teams, Colorado and Vancouver, are in the playoffs. Because they didn't cry when they got these bad picks. They picked good players, and they trusted their scouting department to say, hey, we can still get a good player at three. We can still get a good player at four. We can still get a good player at five. And Look at Pedersen. Playoff teams. Mind you, I did drop a retweet. I did drop a retweet talking about how when the abs were in this similar position that they got Kale McCart. Like, not all of my tweets that night were just ranting and whatnot. I, like, decided to drop a little positivity on the timeline. Mind you. So, like, yes, I totally understand that. Except... Red Wings kind of were in this position because they almost held onto a certain streak or the past for a little bit too long. So would you rather have had them like be like totally just rebuilding and blowing up the team five years ago? No, I don't agree with that. I think no, you you can't, but you also can't blame them either. I got to give them credit. You can't blame them for trying to 
have the best odds at the greatest prospect since Crosby to come out of the queue. I also, let's not say Detroit's this. I think it's overrated how bad Detroit is. I think it's underrated. This is a complete goaltending problem. And you can't, you can fix goaltending in the NHL. They could have traded for Gorgiev. They could have traded for, even go back a few years, they could have traded for, um, fuck, who's the Capitals goalie that went to? Ruby? Yeah. Like, there's. They can trade at for At least this 10 year. guys. He's only 26. At least 10 guys have gotten traded in the last three years, four years, when Detroit has had no goaltending mm-hmm. at all. They easily could have replaced their goalies and given one of these guys a shot, and they just refused to do it. And that's your own fault. You have to have a good goaltender in the NHL. And I think there, I think a lot of their problems is on their defensive end. Like I personally, I've yeah. said before on the show, I've tweeted before, Jimmy Howard gets disrespected a lot, and a lot no, of it. Yeah, is yeah but he had like, two wins this year. But I'm well, sorry, really, like you have to win a game to them. No, I, I understand that. But at the same time, look at what's playing in front of him. When you have Brendan Perlini playing top six minutes, that's not exactly a recipe for success. Like, um, it's I'm sorry, but they did not try. Like, that's the other thing also. Like, other teams at least went out and set, threw money at, like, a free agent or two, tried to get something, like, feasible, even if they're, like, in uh, a bad situation like the Habs. They went out and signed uh, Kovalchuk. Then he got them a couple of wins. They figure at the deadline, all right, maybe we can swap them, get a uh, good draft pick out of it, and they did. It you do you move moves like those that are like the small moves will get you more in the long run than anything else. The uh, Ottawa Senators went out and got uh, Anthony Duclair. He's on pace to finally have this was his breakout season. Like he finally is reaching the plateau that many experts thought he was going to have when he was first breaking out with the Rangers in 2014-15. He basically has shown that, like, you go out there and get the RFAs that might wind up, like, not getting extended. Someone needs to... The Red Wings could have traded for Josh Hosang or could have even picked him up off of a claim off waivers. Like, and it's not... I don't mean to, like, harp on the Red Wings because also, like, I've seen plenty of Ottawa Senators fans, which I don't know why they're complaining. You're literally given a, set, a third mean, overall and a fifth overall pick. Like, shut up. Honestly, like, if you can't... Well, at the same time, this, think about the tire fire they were. I mean... I that, also think a good thing is they probably had the two. Like Dan said before, Ottawa technically had the best rights in this draft if you take out that the placeholders are multiple teams and not one team. Still, though, they have, like, you're guaranteed a third and fifth overall yeah, pick. Yeah, they're not. You have... Yeah, like you, and it's this is a deep draft. They can probably walk out with Rossi and uh, um, what's his name? Stutzel. The kid that, yeah, Stutzel. Or if uh, uh, Byfield falls from two, they could walk out with one like a combination of those two. They're gonna be set. You throw it, those in with uh, Tuchuk and um, a couple of other great players that they have, like coming up in their prospects. They're really, they. I mean, granted, they have Melnick. That's more their issue. Like. Focus on your GM being, or your owner being a complete simpleton. But seriously, like, it, I don't understand this complaining from fans that, like, oh, we were, we should have been given this. Like, this entire, you're not entitled to a great prospect by being tar- garbage. I'm sorry, but. Well, then again, they also turned their franchise around from the tire fire. They had the whole, think about it, from game seven when they lost. What what exactly happened? They got out of the gate a little bit slow, and then Melnick says that they're going to move, right? 
and then Ottawa had that whole situation with that, and then they had the uh, Hoffman situation, and they had to trade Carlson. It's uh, then the Uber situation when they were trashing on their uh, their coach with Duchesne in the, in the Uber. Like that franchise had so much going wrong for it. They took a shot on Duchesne, but if you think about it, they actually made moves to win, and they ended up paying off in the long run. They got Duchesne. They had to give up a little bit for him. So be it. They flipped Carlson. They ended up realizing that they needed to do these moves, not because of the whole situation with the bullying on Carlson's wife, but or was it girlfriend or fiance at the time? Either way. Hoffman's they, girlfriend, they, Carlson's wife. So there's a clarification there. Regardless, it, they made the moves that they needed to do, whether they had their hands forced or they went out and wanted to actually go out and win. So you can't say that that team really tanked. And that's kind of like my point. It's a little bit rounded and long-winded. But for a team that went out, again, they're not entitled to anything. But you got to understand that this team has put everything into it. I can understand their frustration more than I can Detroit's frustration. What did Detroit do, like you guys were saying, to make a move to potentially win and maybe say, you know what? We had shit luck. We had... We went out, we did this, we did this, we did this. Shit hit the fan. We deserve this number one overall pick to help us get straight. Like, I can't point out anything. Well, I won't be yeah. one to deny that they sort of overpaid on players such as, like, Justin Abdelkader and many other more just to simply get in the playoffs and then, like, lose in the first round just to keep the streak going and then now be stuck in complete cap hell from from some of these contracts. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean... I mean Obviously, like I, we all understand that they were they entered the last half of this uh, past decade in a bad situation, but at the same time, it just doesn't look right that they should be rewarded for being in this bad situation. And be like, you know what, you get first round pick or you get the first overall pick for basically being complete garbage. There's only so uh, much they could do once all of the good players are tired. I mean. I mean, yeah, they made bad moves, but like some of the great players, they were going to age and they were going to retire and they were no longer going to be on the team to help them out. Datsuk and Zetterberg were both gone with like within like if I'm not mistaken, like a year or two, a couple years, and Cronwell. Lindstrom was gone in 2012, and like yeah, they should have probably planned this better in the past and maybe not been so worried about a playoff streak. But what I mean, what could them else could they have done outside of that? Like moves they could have made? Yeah. They could have, instead of signing guys to long-term deals to try and keep a streak alive that are just Great. fan favorites, they could have gone out and gotten somebody shop. who would have made a direct impact. Shop Maybe those. Some... No, like, yeah, yeah, shop those players before. And somebody would have bit for, even if they have a lengthy contract a little bit, you never know. If you dangle them out when teams are more in need, it's again goes back to supply and demand, and my dumbass on econ. Again, I don't know shit on it, but I know that basic economics is when supply is low, demand is high, and if teams need, say, a role player, a third line winger, and there aren't many on the market, that's when you get second round picks for these guys. That's when you get solid picks, even if their contract is four million dollars for a third line winger. Because teams need that role player. They're not going to spend picks on a, I don't even know, like a second-line center. They're not going to give a first 
overall for somebody like that or a potential first overall if you're a bubble team because the supply is low on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know how else to really describe like, it. Like I, like, I, yeah, like I said earlier, like they made management made some pretty bad moves. They could have shipped some of these players off instead of giving them the bag just to keep a playoff streak alive. But, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying that it's some teams – some teams end up in those positions anyway, and I just personally thought that the odds were a little on the draft wire, just a little skewed. And I'm going to say this for the millionth time: this is a crazy situation. They sort of had to give the certain amount of odds to the qualifying round teams because of the way they were doing the playoff format, which I was also in support of. Support of. And I just thought the way everything ended up was, I mean, obviously we all think it's wild. Yeah, it's luck of the draw too. It just feels crazy. <laughs> Let's not also forget Taylor Hall's a member of one of the most placeholder teams. So he's still alive. They he's had still alive. I did not even think about that. They had the one. Oh, I've been hyped up oh, no, the I idea can... that oh. what if Arizona winds up with this, like gets Lafreniere, because they've been a team that has been on the bubble the last few years of trying to be contending. Imagine throwing Lafreniere, because especially that's the other thing also. Like he's going to well, be in Andy, a position. Would they... I think they just trade number one for Matthews right away. Let the Canadian Oof. kids stay in Canada. Mm-hmm. That's also a very good point. They, that does dangle a really good carrot. But at the same time, what they could do then is they could also just trade, um, knowing that Matthews is just going to go home, uh, eventually trade Lafreniere to Ottawa for number three and Brady to Chuck, bring another Arizona kid home. And wind up with a top three pick anyways. They have well, a lot of moves that they can be made. It's going to be, like, honestly, and, like, there are still a lot of moves to be made because there are talks that Ottawa might trade three and five to wind up at number one or some other, like, crazy talks of different moves. Um, Buffalo might even just trade number eight outright, which, I mean, I, honestly, I'm at this point, they need to. Like, they can't keep drafting and hoping in two or three years, hey, maybe this guy might develop because at that point they're going to be pissing away more and more of their um, players' talented years. So they might office. as well. It's their front office, yeah, at least for them. Yeah, but and... do you trust they're going to end up trading number eight for like Ryan Strom, and, the, and he's going to have another forty-point season? <laughs> oh, I, I, I know, but I'm just saying, like at some point they got to throw something in the mix. They can't just keep. Mm-hmm going drafting like the last time they drafted number eight i think uh was um middle stat middle stat yeah, middle stat and then before that was uh alex nylander so it's not like they're drafting great players number eight anyways so they gotta do something basically i mean if you're buffalo though and you know again i'm just throwing it out there as a question i'm not insinuating anything if you know that eichel doesn't want to stay there do you trade eichel for number one overall I, you'd have to get more than number one you think you can get yeah. one? You think you can get more than number one for Eichel? Yeah, because you're well, you're trading the established. Eichel for number one and like one of your top six players or uh, top three, no lot. top three players. It so say you're a, Carolina. Oh, that's say you're Carolina and Carolina wins the draft lottery, throwing a team out there. Carolina's a playoff team. Let's go with the team we know. We know the roster a little bit well better. The Rangers lose. The Rangers end up with number one. Number Don't the Rangers one. have the Hurricanes pick? Or is it lottery Yeah, protect? but it, like they lose it conditionally. They can't end up number one there. Um, 
Yeah, well, I guess I tweeted some false information. Yeah, fake news. It's finest. The Rangers <laughs> offer... Panarin. No, that's way too much. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, you're not Eichel be. and... No, well, it'll be probably well, Eichel, Eichel for number one, and uh, honestly, they can throw in... Defenseman? <laughs> they can do Eichel and Strom. That way... The uh, Buffalo yeah. can finally establish their number two, their need for number yeah, two Buffalo center, and just give up their center. number one center. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, guys. We finally got our number two center. What about Eichel? Who? <laughs> I just think it's a good question to kind of pose, though, if you think about it, because a team that's already established, and again, I'm not trying to say that Lafreniere is not going to be a star, because again, like I said, he's the best prospect coming out of the queue since Crosby, right? Yeah. Uh, McKin- so, wait. Well, McKinnon, but yeah. If you have a team that, you know, really wants him and wants to develop him and really thinks that they can get something out of him and Buffalo doesn't want to be in cap hell paying, how much is Eichel making now? Ten and a half? Eleven? I want to say it's around ten. I don't think he's making eleven. So, I think it's ten. So a team that yeah, has... Yeah, it's eight year, eighty million. Eight year, eighty million. So ten a year. And you can get a player that is most likely going to put up his production at literally one-tenth of that price. Would you not think about that? Well, yeah. And on the other end, if you're, if you're the Rangers, you're Carolina, you're, you're any of the teams, basically five, for 12, five through 12 in their conference, you have to look at it as you're one piece away. So if you're adding a superstar or pretty much close to a superstar like McDavid, or I mean not like Eichel, that changes your franchise. And even if you have to give up, say, like a top six player, like a second liner or a non-superstar first liner, I think you have to give that up because also you have to look at it. Capo Caco was seen as one of the most NHL-ready guys Everyone was like, oh, he's 6'2". He dominated the Liga. He dominated World Championships. He's going to come in and give you 60 points. He was the worst player in the NHL this year by Gar or, like, the NHL's version of war. It's goals above replacement. He was the worst player in the NHL. You just don't know that these guys are going to, like, do well in the NHL these days at 18 years old. And it's hard for them. Lafreniere is not the best skater Already, everyone says, oh, he's an above-average skater at best. If he's above-average, is he going to be able to do what he does in the NHL at 18 years old? I just, like, it's a risky move for one of these franchises that are probably closer to the win now than the Sabres are to not at least try and get Eichel. I mean, for, for a team like the Sabres, like, what else is there for them to lose in the future? Like, not really much else. Now, of course, with regards to the team on the other end of the spectrum, it, yeah, it really depends on how you're, on your outlook. Like, you have to look to the five years down the road and see, like, okay, if we're going to get this player, we'll draft him, give him the window in his entry-level deal and see if he fits into our system. But if he, and, like, even if he doesn't immediately, we shouldn't necessarily just toss him off after year one per se but it total like i said it really i'm gonna repeat myself again it all matters on your 
team's outlook and whether if like you're in the qualifying round this year because you're a 24 seed or you're in it because you're a nine seed. Yeah. Like if Montreal wins, I understand they should take off right here. But if Carolina wins, mm-hmm. if the Rangers win, if the Penguins win, maybe the Penguins because they're a little older and they could use like a guy on an ELC. Mm-hmm. But most teams, Vancouver's another team that it's like, do you really need another young guy when you can have an established? Anybody but the Penguins, the Blackhawks, or the Hurricanes. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. We imagine don't need, that. We don't. If, we don't need another. We do not need another 2005 here. I'm kind of rooting for Montreal. If Montreal gets him, you know that franchise will be the Bell Center will be burned to the ground if they passed up on a Quebec kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. That literally the the entire front office would be like executed by firing squad. Like you in really the center Ber- of Montreal. You really think Bergevin's gonna let that happen, though? I mean, yeah, he, he'll be the first person. Not like th- not a chance. He'll draft him before the draft even starts. Honestly, how would they even like release the press release of that to the fans? <laughs> oh, we had a chance to Lafreniere, but you know what? We trade him for uh, this guy uh, Jacques Eichel. <laughs> they're like oh that's great wait a second <laughs> wait a minute i mean unless they bring back crosby like there's no way in flying fuck that that team would uh, yeah just that's it that's yeah a lot, no, they, a lot of people no this day and age under a lot of people this day on in this day and age underestimate uh montreal fans now i know i'm going back many years but Let's not forget what uh, occurred over the Richard riots. Man's got suspended for the rest of the year for swinging at somebody's stick with a head and punching an official, and that city was being burnt to the ground for a few hours. <laughs> Look at how they were like in 2008 after they uh, won a first-round playoff series. Well, yeah, again, they were Boston, wild against Boston, but still, it's Boston. Yeah, but still though, like, did you have to go that that ham over like the quarterfinals, like? ridiculous man after after, (laughs) mind you that was it as they were a number one seed and they had lost the previous two games they're in the process of blowing a 3-1 lead congrats arrival burnt some cars and then lost in five games to philadelphia the next round you are the best team in the nhl let's celebrate they're they're the second best detroit won the president's trophy no i'm saying like because they're celebrating making yeah, you've made it fun. you've made it to the elite eight basically yeah <laughs> yeah <Keep that's>... <laughs> i don't know so, i don't know so uh i mean my time there experience was fabulous no one yeah. uh, no one necessarily threatened to kill me even after well, i saw two wins there while we're speaking about canada uh might as well throw out there the nhl or bob mckenzie i think it was tweeted the nhl is trying to prove Edmonton and Toronto as the hub cities. Any yeah, thoughts? Could you imagine how Edmonton's going to be? Dude, remember, um, like, something that really just made me think of this. In, like, 2013, the uh, Rangers were looking to sign um, Messier on as, like, one of the coaches. And then when they instead went to uh, AV, he said that he was, like, instead going to work on some sort of, like, huge um, rink project out in Edmonton. I wonder if this had anything to do with the fact that they had that whole, like, expansion of, uh, like, 16 hockey rinks. Yeah, I don't know, actually. 
That could that, they prob- that probably could be it because like they have enough space to practice and stuff. Yeah. As but long as I don't have to hear thinking? that freaking goal horn that Edmonton has, that high pitched just whirring sound that makes me want to just shoot myself. I was just watching uh, Connor McDavid highlights before we started recording, and I and after like the fourth one, I thought to myself, oh yeah, I can see why this is pretty egregious. Because I don't even think it was that high. I don't think it was that like high pitched or totally out of tone when they were at Rexall. But at Rogers, for whatever reason, no, it, it, it definitely was. The, the dissonance on it is just absolutely horrible. They're si- they're not the exact same, but they're, they're they're super similar, of course. Yeah. No, All I'm thinking similar. about is how unsafe it is for NHL players to be in Toronto after Toronto gets swept in three games in the first round. <laughs> yeah, when oh, Columbus geez. goes like drag their nuts on their face, yeah. it's just gonna be John Tortorella. Have a hitman out for him. Toronto you fans will imagine what would happen if that was the case. Imagine they're losing like seven nothing. Like when what wasn't the final seven nothing when Tampa got swept in the fourth game, or some seven like, to three. Re- All right, it seven, was two empty net goals. So like yeah, but well, either way, could you imagine if Toronto's like getting dick down six nothing at the beginning Dude, of their someone's period? just gonna walk in there with the coronavirus, start coughing everywhere. <laughs> Toronto fans are just going to storm the streets just so the rest of the season can get suspended just so they can forget about it yeah exactly it's going to be hysterical like. and then they're going to rig the lottery so they still get lottery. <laughs> well that like ironically that'll the if uh, Toronto wins the lottery that'll help out the Rangers like conversely because yeah. then we get a top like 15 draft pick with uh, Carolina potentially top 10 and then still have our own pick and yeah, like Carolina gets completely jacked in that whole like. Yeah, the Rangers are in a crazy scenario because like they're basically playing for a second first round pick by or a better first round pick by winning. Like it's I don't think there are a couple, I think there are a couple of teams that like somehow this scenario helps them because the Rangers will be uh, helped out by that. This conversely, um, if. Toronto loses, they'll get their first round pick back. If um, Arizona loses, they'll get, and uh, they wind up falling in the lottery, they can get their first round pick back. If uh, Vancouver loses outright, I think they get their first round pick because theirs was uh, top 15 projected or something. Yeah. What I'm saying is specifically like, when was the last time a team sold at the deadline, or like technically sold at the deadline, and then ended up playing the team they sold to in the playoffs. Like, that's probably never happened before. That's a good question. I also, I'm also I really curious, can't think of it. I'm also curious <laughs> as to how Andy feels about uh, some of those low-end teams that decide to tank in the qualifying round, since, after yeah, all, Andy's not a big tanking just, kind of guy. I'm sitting out. Honestly, I wouldn't... To be Like, I, I can't, like, rationale... And a scenario where well, a team think... itself would go out there to just tank because they're playing. The players are playing for contracts. They're not going to try and tank, like, because yeah. I mean, like, Montreal Montre- might. Montreal has too much. If you think about, like, not statistically, but Montreal barely snuck in. I think they would have had the best technical lottery odds out of all the teams. You have literally a French Canadian kid potentially at number one, and you are playing Pittsburgh. You're most likely going to get wiped. If you lose, even if you have 12.5% shot at it, your odds just shot up a shit ton from what was their original odds, 6%. You just doubled your odds there. 
All right, but on the like I get that, but on the other hand, think about it this way: Montreal, look who they have in net. The guy that they basically like give the key, the key, the key to say to in <laughs> Carey Price. He may not be that like great, but at the same time, I mean, he may not be as great as he was once before. But at the same time, he still like is Carey Price. So you know, who knows? He could turn it on in this five game series. Steal a cut, like if he steals two games. And then the offense decides to show up. Shea Weber get, is going to be healthy at this point. He'll be clapping them. Um, they still have Tatar. They still have a couple of their other, like, um, they. I mean, they have pieces that they can make somewhat of a move with. Uh, Drew in. They have, like, a couple of they, – and they even have – they're going to have uh, um, players that they drafted the last couple of years ready to go. I honestly can't see them just saying, you know, we're just going to go ahead and tank. Like, it could if they tank, yeah, they have a one in a chance. But if they decide, let's go ahead and try and upset, because we saw last year what happens when a team that goes up against a clear favorite four times last year, really. Every division winner lost in the first round. So there's no clear favorite when, especially now, no one's played in months. They could still pull an upset off. That's like any team could pull an offset off at this point. Minnesota could do that. Yeah, um, the playoffs. Yeah, I think we, the we haven't talked about one team much. The Islanders too. That team was on a cold streak and a half heading. They weren't. In, they COVID. weren't going to make the playoffs. They mm-hmm. weren't going to make the playoffs. No, they now they got their defense. Um, their like star defenseman back, and they're really solid. Like because they didn't win a. They hadn't won a game since before the uh, trade deadline. Yeah. And then, and then several days before the shutdown, Boychuk got, you know, skate to the near eye. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. The, to make matters even worse. <laughs> I mean, stoppage yeah. is probably the best thing for them to happen. <laughs> yeah, and who even knows if they're going to have uh, Sorokin? Um, they're not. They said they're not allowed to. Yeah, you can't have KHL the, players. But if he doesn't come over, then he might just stay, like, stay in the KHL next year or demand out because at this point I think he pretty much wanted to come over yeah so what I saw is that um he's debating he's probably gonna sign an ELC with the Islanders and then get loaned to the SHL because the KHL and the NHL don't have a loan agreement like you have to basically like Vitaly Kravstov was like an extreme extreme like case because he got sent down to like the MHL so he's gonna go. He's gonna go to the SHL because it's easier to like move players between the NHL and SHL. Oh, that wow. makes sense. No, yeah, that that definitely, um, yeah, it makes sense then. And then college hockey players can still do the same thing as normal, obviously, correct? Like that's not news. If they're already signed, I don't know. They have, also, I think... what happens with the August fifteenth deadline? Because we're probably going to touch upon that in a later episode. You got that thing's that thing is definitely getting pushed back. Yeah, that but August, pushed back. August fifteenth is for teams is for their rights. It's not for you can still yeah, make a decision on whether you're signing a kid's rights. Yeah, but what happens if you're going to be releasing him? And what if a team, for example, wants to sign a guy like Cam Morrison, who was a second round pick for Colorado? You know, like what if what if a team wants a player like that who's young, who can fit in on their roster, wants to use a roster spot on him? Young guy, you never know what you can get out of somebody like I that. Don't, I don't think they'll be eligible to play based on what 
Bob McKenzie said. If they're if they haven't been signed if they haven't been signed as of now. Yeah. From what I saw, I mean, the I other guess day, it was they had to be on your roster prior to, like, they had to be on your roster the last day of what was the season. It was like March twenty first. What was the day? Like the the Rangers played Colorado. That was the like, last uh, game. No, like the eleventh. Fifteen minute roster. Like you have to be. You had to be like signed. Like you had to be on your ELC. So, and does that go? So if I signed to the, say I was a college free agent and I signed today, I can't play. What if they signed in like April? No, I guess then. I, I don't think so. I think you had to be on the roster, or maybe you had. To, I don't know. I saw Bob McKenzie tweeted that Romanov, Kaprizov, and Sorokin aren't eligible. But those are all Russians. I don't know. Maybe that NCAA. Because you would, when did Jack think, when did Jack Dugan sign with Vegas? That That's a good. Uh, someone should look that up. That's a good call. Because I was watching his highlights the other day, and then I was going through the comments how like he could possibly he could possibly play in the playoffs. Although like now that you say that he had to have been signed before everything got shut down, then it might be that might be for free agents and not guys because like he was not a guys who have rights. Like yeah, because they already had his rights. Uh, uh, He's yeah. technically just on their reserve roster. But he doesn't sign his entry-level contract until he leaves college, which he didn't, I'm pretty sure he didn't do until, like, after the suspension. But Yeah, but they still had... Even but if they still have his rights. Yeah. If you have the rights to a player, they're still on, like, your reserve roster somehow. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Andrew, your point about uh, Mark... Mark Messier and uh, something with Edmonton, New York, got me thinking that maybe that was what's uh, that, that's what kept the uh, self react from happening all this time. Maybe you got to put more uh, blame on uh, Mark Messier than the, the Sedin twins. All right, let's not get carried away here. <laughs> Messier's won six cups. The Sedins didn't even like scratch the surface of what Messier accomplished. Combined, <laughs> they couldn't even like reach his platitude. You guys see that ridiculous tweet the other day that Mark Messi is not like, he was like, he's closer to the 50 than he is to five. Yeah, that was, it was like, like top players of all time. That was such cap. Like, okay. Because <laughs> they're saying like he was never the best player on this team. Okay, well, he played with the greatest player of all time. And then as soon as Gretzky gets traded, he wins the cup and he was the best player on the team then. Then he goes to the Rangers and he was basically like the key point that turned around the Rangers and the. Uh, from 91 on to, like, the late 90s. Like, and, in okay. game, and in game six as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just look at, like, the, the uh, what's it called, the um, statistics outright. If you, if you are top three in points, I'm going to go ahead and put you in the top ten all-time players. I yeah. don't know. I'm not, yeah. You're not dropping down to 50. Like, I mean, why else <laughs> is there literally an award called the Mark Messier Leadership Award? Exactly. The only captain to win the cup with two different teams. And captain two different teams, like the reach. Mm. It's very, very inspirational teaching, Andy. Could you do a favor for us and uh, give us your beautiful life lesson of this past week? Oh, will I ever? All right, um, folks. If I've everything, it's this. Take notes, Make guys. Sure. Take notes. Make sure that you do not forget to put your mask in your pocket and like actually have it all the way in your pocket because God forbid you like get up and it falls out of said pocket and falls in a puddle and you're just thinking, well, 
I'm going to be smelling the ground all day. I would have went and gotten a new mask. Uh, I would have just left it there, just, just spread it up and carry it to it, you know? <laughs> well, I, I ran inside to, like, wash it, but I was, like, having to air dry it. And, you know, those, like, um, air dryers, basically, in the bathroom? Yeah. I can tell you this much. It's pretty much a full episode of um, a 22-minute TV show that you have to, like, to at least get it somewhat to a point that it'll be, like, breathable because otherwise it's just moist and you're like nope we're gonna have to crank it again keep pushing the heat and yeah so that was one way to show up late to work <laughs> i mean you, you can literally use the pandemic as an excuse yeah you know, that's why you have to mask in the first place in those issues it really was and honestly i was doing i mean in, in a way i was doing my part it just was a very unfortunate part that made me feel like i was in a seinfeld episode <laughs> I mean, yeah. You just these this day and age that's just a top five worst nightmare, you know. Well lads, I think that will uh wrap things up on this fine week. We uh appreciate we appreciate if you uh listen throughout, uh we appreciate you standing by all night rambling just for some extra tension and whatnot. And we you know, it's the fourth of July. Just called we editing. You, uh, just called editing very, they don't know about it. What was that? It's called editing. They don't know about that. Wow. Crazy stuff. We sincerely hope you guys make a great time out of yourselves over this 4th of July weekend. And we would like to also wish all of our listeners a happy, a early happy 4th of July as well. We hope to see, and we cannot wait to see you again next week. Go America. And happy belated Canada Day. Yes. Happy belated Canada Day. That's correct. Go America, go Canada. Goodbye. Our friends up north. Enjoy the rest of your night.